episode two. Nobody, nobody told us we can't keep going, so. <laughs> we didn't get any hate mail yet, at least. No, we'll keep doing this. And we got Sarah a microphone, so Sarah, well, how are you? Good, how are you guys? Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? All right, um, I'm Sarah DeYoung. I'm the communications director here, so usually I'm the one behind the camera for all this stuff, so this is comfortable and I enjoy being on the microphone right now. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, unlike Ryan and DJ, I uh, went to MSUM for PR and advertising, and then I never left Fargo. Yeah. I'd, what else do you want to know? Ah, that that's good. Last week when we recorded and you didn't have a mic, we got done recording and you seemed like you had a little heartburn about not being able to talk about peeps. You know, they're the worst. <laughs> I just it needs to be known. It's not even like the candy corn debate. They're just horrible. Candy corn's terrible. But candy corn can be made better. Like you can put candy corn in with like peanuts and hot tamales and makes it better. Agree to disagree. <laughs> well, do you like peeps? No, I hate peeps. Peeps well, are terrible. So so we brought peeps in to what? Torture ourselves? Is that what it's Well, uh, Sarah, so Sarah's got these peeps. What, what do you got going on here? Well, so side note to this is on my own personal social media, I enjoy doing, it's called Taste Test Thursday. So I find weird things and I force my friends and I to try them. And I just found the two best part, like the best and the worst part of Easter, in my opinion, besides church and all that. And it's jelly beans, but they're peeps flavored. Okay. So I'm going to make Ryan and DJ try these. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, it, it, what's the name of that game? Bean Boozled? Is that the name of the yeah, game? Yes. You, 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 uh, you have all these beans and you have to... It's like, a, it's like, a, like Russian roulette with, mm -hmm. with jelly beans. You can get sour milk flavored or you can get like cherry flavored. These odds are better though because instead of it being like one half is good, one half is bad, from the overall consensus of my home, one of these flavors is good, the rest are bad. Okay. And she holds it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She can't even smell the bag. I'm good. Only one is good in this entire thing? Yes. Oh, great. I got blue. Which, which flavor is the, is, the, is the good one? Uh, I think blueberry is good. I got blue as well. So start with the good one and then I'll have, the worst one is the marshmallow, so we'll. Okay, so we're trying the blueberry. Squishy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they put a peep in a jelly bean. Yeah, but, you know, my big thing with, because this is good. I don't mind this. See, that's peeps. the good flavor. Now find a white one in there. Well, but the thing about peeps, though, it might be the consistency thing. True. Like the marshmallow. Like the flavor isn't yeah. that bad. But this is my thing with peeps is they bring out a new flavor that it's like a joke of we didn't get a worse enough flavor last year. Like this year I was looking at Target. And they have like chocolate filled peeps that are salted caramel flavored. Marshmallow one. This is this is a strange one. Hmm. That's an interesting flavor. It is. It's um it reminds me of a almost like a cold stone creamery uh birthday cake. It does have that kind of yeah. taste to it. That's what I'd compare it to. It's not bad. It's better than, I'd eat these before I'd eat a real peep any day of the week. That's true. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, well, thanks for bringing them in. Picking this out of my teeth through the entire rest We shouldn't have probably started with this because you're just going to be snacking the rest of the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, well, 
So we tried peep flavored jelly beans. They're not bad. I, I mean, I don't know that I'd, that I'd buy them, but if Sarah's going to bring them in, I'll eat them. Well, you know, at, at the end of worship for the rest of Easter, we can say, go eat peeps. Yeah. Serve the Lord. Would you like go, go, eat peep, go eat peeps jelly beans yeah. and serve the Lord. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to be there for a while, I'm afraid. Yep. They're, they're interesting. Yeah. They're not bad, though. They're not bad. So, well, I think we have real business. We're not we, just going to talk about the good parts of Easter? Well, what's your favorite part? We didn't get to that last week. Of Easter? Easter, yeah. Man, I feel like it's the first time of spring. Not really in Fargo, but like I'm from Sioux Falls, so it was always like the first like truly nice day. You got to make the full transition over like, okay, I can start wearing like capri pants or shorts and I don't have to wear like jeans and sweaters all the time. And Yeah. Is Sioux Falls far enough south that there is a real difference in weather between here and there? You, yes no. you can notice the temperature. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's dead of winter, mm-hmm. you'll notice the temperature difference going from here to Sioux Falls for sure. Mm. Yep, definitely. I don't know about snow, though. They might even get more snow than we do. They get a lot of ice. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. And then, like, I was in church choir all growing up, so just early mornings, like 8 a.m. to noon. Is Same it? song over and over again. Is 8 o'clock earlier in Sioux Falls than it is here? Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on South Dakota time. Uh, all right. We got, we got real business to talk about here. So, uh, as you mentioned, we, we are uh, coming up on Easter. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so tomorrow's Maundy Thursday. And everybody by now has heard about online church. We are going to introduce online communion. And I think that there's maybe some misunderstandings, uh, maybe some concern about doing uh, communion online. Um, and so, DJ, yeah. uh, you'd like to talk about that a little bit, I bet. Yeah, you know, this is, it, it, we are in interesting times. Um, you know, with, with the coronavirus pandemic worldwide, we can't be church together. Um, for the safety of everyone. We talked a bit about how to um, serve your neighbor in the midst of a plague based on what Luther said last time. Um, But we also live in a very interesting time where we have technology that allows us to be alone together, Mm -hmm. to be the church. So when talking about online communion, I think that some things are unhelpful some terms are unhelpful. Um, and also, um, it gives us a chance to look and, and a very th- uh, important thing to do during Lent, to look at ourselves and to look at what it is that we believe, teach, and confess. And when talking about online communion, it raises questions about what does it mean to be the church? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be in worship together? And how does God show up in the midst of his people uh, around something that is as important and identity-defining as the Lord's Supper, as Holy Communion. Because of new technology, it does bring into question as to what, what are good practices 
what are bad practices. So the first thing I want to just mention about this is what does it mean to be the church? And I brought my handy-dandy Book of Concord with me with, um, you know, aside from the Bible, which is the final authority on all matters. Mm -hmm. And when we look at what the Bible says about being the church and being um, uh, engaged in the Lord's Supper, we have the words of Jesus, but we don't have a whole lot else about the, the pattern and the structure and, and all those things in the Bible. Uh, rather, the Bible just gives over the promise that, you know, the command is take and eat, drink. Uh, the promise is this is my body, this is my blood shed for you, this is the New Testament. Um, and what we receive in the eating and the drinking is to be united to the body of Christ within the communion of saints, which span, uh, expands beyond time and space. You know, when we're communing in our church in normal times, <clears throat> it's not just our church which, is, which Christ is meeting. He's meeting Christians all over the world that are communing at the same time. And, and we are all part of that communion, even if we're communing at different times. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what we mean when we talk about the communion of saints, all believers in Christ who are meeting him where he promises to be in his word preached and his sacrament administered um, beyond time and space. So it's, it's this connection with everyone. And I like to think of it that when you go to receive communion, think about the people that are in that room with you. And if you have any problems with anyone in that room with you, uh, get over it and make peace with them because these are the people that you're going to be spending eternity with, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the inevitable conclusion of what the sacrament promises. It, it binds the body of Christ together beyond the walls. Okay. So um, for Lutherans, aside from the authority of Scripture, our final authority, we have confessions, confessions of the faith. And what confessions are is saying who God is, and who we are before God. And um, for Lutherans, they're collected in the Book of Concord. And we have things like uh, the, the small catechism from Martin Luther, pretty much any Lutheran anywhere had, had to learn that if they were confirmed in the Lutheran church, you learn the small catechism. But alongside that is the large catechism that uh, Martin Luther also wrote as kind of the, the teacher's guide to the small catechism, is a large catechism. You have um, the, the last confessions that came at the end, the uh, epitome and solid declaration of the formula of Concord. You have something called the Small Called Articles, which is a confession of faith that Martin Luther wrote himself. And then you have three documents that were written by a guy named Philip Melanchthon. Uh, one of them is called uh, the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope. Uh, but the one that I'm going to turn to for us to look at is the first confession of the Lutheran Church. And it's basically like the Declaration of Independence of Lutherans. Okay. Okay. Because prior to the Lutheran Reformation, there wasn't Lutherans and Roman Catholics in different groups. It was just the church, period. There was, there was no, no separation aside from the Western Latin-speaking church and the Eastern Greek-speaking church. For in Luther's time, there was just the church. Okay. And the head of the church was the Pope in Rome. <clears throat> and so 
This document became basically the Declaration of Independence of Evangelicals. That's what Lutherans are called. That's, that's actually our word. Um, it's come to mean something else in the United States. It usually is tied with uh, more of a Baptist tradition or Billy Graham, although I'm pretty convinced that the older Billy Graham got, the more Lutheran he got. Um, but evangelical just means people who are focused on the gospel, uh, good, good newsies. Um, so we're going to look at, at Article 7 in the Augsburg Confession. And what the confessions do is they, they are seen as a clear uh, declaration of what the Holy Scriptures teach. Okay. So they're not on top of the Scriptures. They are an explanation of what the Scripture says. So Scripture is the final authority. The confessions go underneath that, and then tradition falls underneath that for each and every church okay. in the Lutheran tradition. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so this is what it says. Article 7, concerning the church. It is also taught that at all times there must be and remain one holy Christian church. Okay, so how many churches are we talking about here? Just one. Uno, one. Everybody. Yep. Everybody. Christians, everywhere. Great. One holy Christian church. Now, what is the church? It is the assembly of all believers among whom the gospel is purely preached and the holy sacraments are administered according to the gospel. So now we get into a couple of words here that need to be understood. The first is the assembly. Uh, when we think of an assembly, what do you think of? It's uh, a bunch of people gathered together to yeah. do whatever they're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if it was like this when you guys went to high school but or middle school, but every so often they would call for an assembly. Mm -hmm. And so everyone would get out of their classrooms and go and meet in the gym, and there'd be like a pep rally or something. Yep. So often when we think of assembly, we think of people coming together in one place, one physical place. Um, but is that the only understanding of an assembly? We have been doing Zoom meetings and Zoom life groups for um, the last couple of weeks. Yep. And, and we live in this time where we have an advent of a new technology, um, the Internet. Mm -hmm. And people are finding ways to assemble online where they are meeting in real time and having a real connection and a real conversation that is not virtual, it's real, mm -hmm. but the mechanism to connect is new and uh, probably a little odd and strange for some people, but it doesn't discount the fact <clears throat> that real connections are being made. Yeah, definitely. Last night we had a, we had a, a group of people I used to work with at uh, the city of Fargo, uh, all on a Zoom meeting. It was like old times, you know, we, we, were, we were all on a screen, but it was like we were there together right. yeah exactly you know it, it's it's this weird juxtaposition of language that we have to be alone but we want to be alone together right. and so with technology we are able to assemble while still being in separate houses or even different towns and yet it's still a very real connection I mean when, 
when I, when I speak about talking to my, my parents, my parents live in Arizona, and we'll call and I'll FaceTime with them. I don't consider that a virtual conversation. I don't consider that a virtual meeting. Virtual means not real. It's, it's close to it. it. It's almost, it's an illusion when we talk about virtual. Yep. Well, this isn't virtual, this is actual. Yeah. Um, the conversation with my mom is a real conversation and, or with my dad and my kids connecting with that. Last year, I lived in North Dakota without my family. For like four months? For like six months. Six months, <laughs> six months 14 days, uh, 13 hours, and yeah. He was counting. Yes. <laughs> and and my, my life was very much uh, enjoying uh, the winter in North Dakota. <laughs> it was driving to the church and then back to where I was staying. And, and I was self-isolating before it was cool, basically. <laughs> um, but every day I looked forward to having that opportunity to assemble, to speak to my family, to see my family. And so for six months, I was dad in the box. Yeah. Right? But you were connecting. But I was connecting. Yeah. And I was a part of their life and they were part of mine. And without that technology, it would be so much harder, right? right? Yeah. Well, so... What is the church? It's not the building. That's really important to understand. It's the assembly of believers. And in this day and age, if we can't assemble in a building because of, of a pandemic, because it might actually kill your neighbor mm -hmm. to not social isolate, we still need to assemble because God is still good, God is still in control, and, the, and we are still the body of Christ. There's no discounting that. So with technology, we can assemble. We can be the assembly of believers. Now, the thing about it is the space is less of an issue with, with technology. The, 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 the binding part is the event, the time. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a couple people are, are, are meeting on Tuesday and a couple people are meeting on Thursday and it's, and it's separate, right? Mm -hmm. But when we worship like we do on Sunday, or on Wednesday nights, we're calling for everyone to assemble. Christians assemble. You know, Avengers assemble. Christians assemble. Yeah. And we're gathering around where God promises to be in His Word preached and His sacraments administered. That's what it says here. Administered. To administrate it. To hand it over. As one of my teachers used to, used to say, uh, and Paul likes to tease me about when Jim Neskin would say, you gotta, you got to hand over the goods. Hand over the goods. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we're here to do. We're here to hand over the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to people who are dying to hear it. Yeah. And so when talking about administering, it, it really means good order, that you have a pastor who's been called by the assembly into a very specific role, a role to call us out on our stuff, call us in a sin, convict us of our sin so that we can be forgiven of our sins through Jesus Christ. That's, that's the gospel properly preached. Okay. But alongside that is, is to hand over the goods, to hand over the sacraments, to be the person that we put in place to be the one to make sure that no error is being taught, uh, no falsehood being entered into when it comes to 
the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Now, what are the sacraments? The sacraments are where God promises to be in a very physical way that you can grab a hold of. So, like, preaching is the gospel that you hear. You hear it in your ear. And when it hits home, faith explodes in you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the gospel is the word that you hear. The sacraments are the gospel that you can grab a hold of with all of your other senses. Taste, touch, smell. Uh, which ones am I missing? Taste, touch, smell, sight, right? Yep. You, you experience it. You can grab a hold of it. And, and one thing about the sacraments that is really interesting is that God chooses to show up in physical things that are accessible to everybody. A little bit of water, mm-hmm. and you're baptized. And baptism is God's first and final promise concerning you, the person, that you are a forgiven sinner claimed by Jesus Christ. And that promise doesn't go away. It doesn't wash off. Right. It's always there. We can, we can reject it. But like the prodigal son who, who runs from the father, the father is still there right. and, and, you know, forgives as soon as that, that son is in sight, right? Yeah. That's, that's the power of baptism. The Lord's Supper, um, so the first and final promise is baptism. You only get baptized once and it lasts your entire life. And it's to be used daily for repentance and renewal. That daily I drown the old sinner in the waters of my baptism so that a new saint um, can rise through the process of repentance and through the waters of baptism into new life, um, forgiven in Jesus Christ, right? Yep. That's baptism. And you can use that every day and should use that every day. Mm-hmm. Daily I turn from my sinful self and, and resist the, the temptations of sin, death, and the devil in my life. But alongside that, the Lord institutes the Lord's Supper. That's what we commemorate on Maundy Thursday. Right. And really is, is, according to Christ's command, we're to do this as often as you need it. Mm-hmm. I, love that. I love that phrase, do this as often as you need it. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have times where we don't have communion. I mean, it really comes down to, again, good order in any given congregation. I think at Atonement, um, we commune twice a month. I'm not sure how long they've done that. Um, yeah. yeah. I yeah. believe that's a like universal I remember growing up about first and third Sunday. Yep. Like it's a Lutheran law. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and different places do it differently. Um, there are some churches that have moved toward communion every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of the Norwegian Lutheran tradition that's primarily in the Midwest, you know, I can remember as a kid, I think we had communion four times a year. Oh wow. Right. Why is that though? If you go back to the founding of our country and the, the Scandinavians that came over in the, in the late 1800s and the Germans that came over even before the Revolutionary War, um, you know, these different smatterings of immigrants that came over, they would withhold from the sacrament because they didn't have a duly authorized pastor to administer the sacrament. Okay. Well, what do we have that they didn't have where they had to practice social isolation, not because of plagues or anything, but just because it was a new country with uh, a smattering of people spread out all over the place, Mm -hmm. and they weren't able to have communion because they didn't have a pastor. 
What do we have that they didn't have? We have the internet. Yeah, we have the and 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 I was going to say we and we've yeah. got peep flavored jelly beans. Well, absolutely. They, they didn't have that. What I, well, my point being is that we have. Uh, imagine if you had a guy like um, uh, the guy who started. No, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the the first pastor that came over and was in 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 Pennsylvania and traveled around and and did circuit preaching and. You know, the first Lutheran church in the United States, I think, was the Pennsylvania Ministerium, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the guy who started it, but he would circuit ride to these different places and would tell them to withhold from the sacrament until he could arrive. Well, the reason for that was, was one of good order so that people wouldn't fall into errors. Like um, there was tales and stories going even back to the Reformation of, of traveling preachers saying that they were a pastor and then selling the sacrament for money. Or treating it treating it like magic. Like if you if you eat this sacrament, then then you'll um, be healed of what ails you, right? Yeah. And so to protect against that, the ministerium um, with um, uh, gosh, it's going to bug me till I remember his name. I'll try to find it. Well, <laughs> the the Pennsylvania ministerium, I think, is what it was called. Um, or the first Lutheran colonial clergyman. Anyway. Um, he would tell them to abstain in between and be satisfied with the Word of God and preaching and so on. In both cases, uh, you had the authority of the pastor guiding people where they were at in their current circumstances and giving the, giving the, the sacrament when he could come to them. If he could have been able to be with them without physically being with them, there's no reason why he couldn't administer the sacrament in their presence, even if he wasn't physically in their presence, which sounds really odd, but with technology today, we are able to do that. We are able to cut around the distribution issues that, that Christians had to deal with in the past when they were socially distancing themselves mm -hmm. because of the Internet. Um, and so if you have a duly authorized pastor that is then commissioning his people if they cannot gather to meet at a specific time where the word is then preached and they have the elements in their midst then what you have is the sacrament because the pastor does not make the sacrament mm -hmm. there's nothing magical about the pastor this is the person who's been appointed into the role to announce the things of God by the people of God in order to console troubled consciences and to encourage faith. So that's always been the issue. It's like, is the sacrament valid if, if the pastor doesn't administer it? Right. Um, but the thing about that is, is the pastor doesn't make the sacrament. The Word of God makes the sacrament. It's the authority that's been bestowed on the pastor, which is to take away that question as to whether or not the sacrament is valid. Mm -hmm. It's valid because this person has been called by God and instituted by the people of God, which is the Holy Spirit placing them in that place to announce in real time what God is doing in our midst through something that seems insignificant to the world, but to the Christian is everything. A little bit of bread and a little bit of wine mm -hmm. and you receive forgiveness of all of your sins are established in the New Testament, the New Covenant that God has put forth 
that gives to you new life that begins now and eternal life to come. And so if you have an established time and a mechanism by which to announce the words of institution, the confession and absolution, and you have hearers with ears to hear that have the elements in front of them, and even if it's being broadcast through the internet, it is, to use an old fancy word, efficacious. Okay. In other words, it's effective. Mm -hmm. Because the hearer hears the promise, there is the bread, there is the wine. You hear the preacher saying, it is for you. The last piece is just to pick it up and to give it to your neighbor that's sitting with you or get to the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. What I find very powerful about this, as strange as it may sound, as mysterious as it may sound, and look, some churches are saying, we're just going to gonna fast during the season. Mm -hmm. That also is okay. Um, but if you have the means to commune together, it seems to me like now is a, is a time where the, where the sacrament is of even more importance mm -hmm. because we need to recognize that we are still the body of Christ. It has not been undone because we can't gather in four walls. God's kingdom is not these four walls. The body of Christ is beyond these walls. So basically what we're doing is not having virtual communion. We're having actual communion online. And that's, that's the difference. That's the, that's the word that I think is unhelpful, the virtual part. Okay. It's not virtual. It's actual. It's actually happening. Right. And, and to take another step back, I would, I would ask this question. Um, is the sacrament, uh, truly the sacrament, when we're in worship and we have no microphones and the preacher preaches and the person in the back doesn't hear it? Is it still the sacrament? Mm. Or is it still the sacrament for the person in the nursery who didn't hear the words? And yet the words happened in real time in that place, right? right? So because we want everyone in the church to hear it, what do we do? We add a microphone. Right. We add a, a technology for the gospel to be heard. Or a TV set. Right, yeah. or a TV set right. with a mic for the gospel to be heard. Because that's what makes the sacrament. It's the Word of God connected with the bread and the wine. Jesus Christ is truly present in, with, and under that place. Why? Because He promises to be. Right. And that's what makes it effective. It's not the pastor. It's not even the physical space. Those are just you know, ways that we can do communion. And I'm hoping for the day when we can gather together face-to-face but even if we gather face-to-face, -face, it's not a higher or a greater um, effectiveness of the sacrament than having the sacrament online. It's just uh, engaging it in a different way uh, right where people are at in their homes. Okay. So I've got a, I've got a couple questions, and maybe you're going to get to this. But uh, one of them is... Um, what when when people are participating? First of all, you say in real time. So when we're talking about this uh, Thursday night, um, we are gonna get together online as as atonement or whoever is is tuning in at that time, and we're gonna we're going to 
take communion together. Mm-hmm. What about, what if somebody uh, midnight Thursday night is scrolling YouTube and they come across the broadcast? Mm-hmm. Can they take communion? Well, and see, that's, that's just it. The event has happened in real time, right? Mm-hmm. So when we um, bring communion to the homebound, what are they receiving? Communion. Yeah. Um, they're receiving it in real time in the event. Okay. Now, for someone to get the broadcast later on, they would also be receiving the Lord's Supper because the event is happening again. Okay. Now, what I would prefer is that everyone come together at the same time. Right. But it doesn't make it any less efficacious because the word preached creates the event. See, um, this is where Lutherans are different from both Roman Catholics and Protestants. Like the Roman Catholics, we believe, teach, and confess that Jesus Christ is truly present in the bread and the wine. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you eat the bread, you're, you're not eating you know, bones and, and sinew and stuff like that. It's still bread, but it's his body. Why is it his body? Who knows? Right. Um, we trust his promise. And we're not drinking blood. We're drinking wine. Right. But it is the blood of Christ. Uh, literally, the blood of Christ. You are eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, for Lutherans, the reason we trust that is because of the word of Jesus. This is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say this represents. He doesn't say this symbolizes. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. For the Roman Catholic Church, um, the way to understand that is they use a, a mechanism called uh, Aristotelian metaphysics. I don't know that word. Yeah. Uh, look it up. Aristotelian metaphysics. It's, you email uh, me that so I can include the spelling in the video. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from Aristotle. Um, Aristotle taught that there's a difference between something's accident and something's substance. So uh, think of it this way. Let's say I, I went and... Uh, what would you say the color of my hair is? Well, let's do it with you. It's a little bit easier. What, what's the color of your hair? Brown. You're brown. Okay. What if you dyed your hair pink? Is your hair pink? It looks pink. It, it, um, I don't know if pink has a smell, but it, it, yeah. it's, it's, someone would look at you and say, hey, you have pink hair. Um, but is the substance of your hair pink? No, it's still brown. Yeah. It's accident is now it's pink. That's where we get our word accident. Yeah. This, is, this comes from Aristotle. He taught that there's a difference between something substance and an accident. An accident can be an outward appearance, but its substance could be completely different. When the priest in the Catholic Church, and for them the priest is important because the priest makes the sacrament. Mm-hmm. When the priest says the Eucharistic prayer, the bread and the wine are transubstantiated. That's where they use the word transubstantiation. Its substance has been transformed permanently into Jesus. Mm-hmm. Its accident is that it still looks like bread and wine, but its substance is our Lord and Savior. And so when you go, if you ever go to like a Catholic mass, you'll see people that will come and they'll come to their pew. You know, every church has yep. people at their pew. The Catholics do that. Yep. And they'll, and, and they'll you know, do the Tim Tebow. They'll, they'll yeah. go down on one knee and, yep. knee and, and it's called genuflection. Um, for a non-Catholic, you might think, well, are they genuflecting at the crucifix or what are they doing that? On the altar, the Lord's table, there's a box and that box is called the tabernacle. 
Within the tabernacle rests what is called the host, and that's the bread that has been consecrated. And so if all the bread is not consumed, it will be stored in the tabernacle for the next Mass. And so for them, the priest is the one who's uh, given the power to recite the words that actually transform the bread and the wine into Jesus. That's not how it is in the Lutheran Church. Our direction is actually the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. The job of the preacher, the pastor, is not to transform the bread and the wine into the body of Christ through transubstantiation. The job of the pastor is to gather the people together in whatever means that may be in order to announce what Jesus is giving. So the direction is not to God to transform the bread and the wine. The direction is to the people and its proclamation of the word. And so when the word is spoken, on the night in which it was betrayed, our, our Lord took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Mm -hmm. This is my blood shed for you. Christ has promised to be present here in these elements that you can grab a hold of. And what are the elements? They're the elements in which the words are connected with them. So if you're sitting on the other side of a TV screen, in real time, you have the pastor saying, uh, whatever, wherever their location is, the, the promise, the word of institution, it is the announcement of the gospel that is valid in the elements that you have sitting before you. Because it's happening in real time in the event. Now, what, is, what do I mean by the event? It means Christ has shown up at this particular circumstance mm -hmm. breaking in into our world in real time where we are at because the word makes the sacrament and the faith of the receiver receives it okay. if the person has no faith in that promise they shouldn't partake in it because they'd be taking it to their damnation okay i got you so all right, so I have another question. Well, and so, so to, to just kind of finish that off, when the event of the Lord's Supper is done, when everyone who wishes to receive have received, then the bread is bread and the wine is wine. It is no longer the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. Because the event has been completed until the time of the next event when Jesus says, do this as often as you need it. So if you were watching the podcast or watching... A video later on if there is faith to believe that the promise is true when you hear it and you have the elements the bread and the wine there before you well yeah you're entering into church because church is happening outside of time and space and Jesus has shown up in your midst through a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine in order to give you everything does that make sense that that makes that makes perfect sense so the question that I was going to ask is, so when, when people gather to do this, I think some, some people may have concerns about this um, almost being made a, a, a mockery of by people who are, who are taking. Like, like yeah. uh, the, you know, somebody could say, well, what stops somebody from uh, having milk and Oreos and, you know, taking communion that way? Yeah. And again... Um... That's a good question to ask, and then to wonder, well, why? Now, why do we do anything in the church? For the most part, we do it for those who are weaker in faith as compared to those who are stronger in faith. Now, Jesus did not say, um, 
uh, did not take some Oreos and pass them around and say, this is my body. He didn't, he didn't take some milk and pass it around. What, what we want to do in order to not allow any doubt to enter into the um, engagement with the sacrament is to remove any of those things that would cause you to doubt it. That's why throughout church history, it's been the pastor doing it, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's nothing that says that the pastor has to be the one to preside um, to administer the sacraments. Aside from um, the confessions, the apostolic authority that Jesus gives to his disciples that um, all of the ministry is tied into. Um, but when it comes to what we're trying to do, we want to be as close to what Scripture actually says because it takes away the doubt that this is not true. Because it's a, it's a, if I was to promise you something that if you just eat a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine, you receive God's love eternally, forgiveness of all of your sins, and you, you're going to receive eternal life and a new life that begins now in God's kingdom. The believer, most often, especially new believers, like, that's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. You got to, what, what, what's the catch, right? The devil is the catch. The devil will start whispering in your ear, it's too good to be true. I don't think he knows all the bad stuff you've done, you know? Yep. Um, uh, or they're not doing it right. Yeah. They're not getting the words right. That's, that's something that the, the devil loves to do. And that's why you have church order so that error doesn't enter in, because you can enter in to error. Um, for example, taking the words of institution and making it into something like, you know, uh, Jesus decided to get together with his buddies and uh, to, to show how much he, he really cared about them and he wanted them to be buddies. He, he took some bread and he passed around and he said, hey, let's eat bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, he took, a, he took a, uh, some wine and he passed it around and he said, toast, I love you guys, and they drank it. Well, is that communion? No, why not? Because that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said, and it's not what Jesus gives. Right. What in misusing the sacrament by misunderstanding or mis um, falsely proclaiming what Jesus said, that's entering into error because Jesus has not been handed over to the people that have come to receive him. Does that make, does that make sense? And that's the danger of not having good order when it comes to the sacrament. What we're talking about with online communion is not a separation from the good order. It's a different mechanism using, using the technology that we have today to be communion and to hand over the goods, so to speak, to those who can't be physically with us. Right. That's the difference. Okay. So for people who are going to join us, um, what can they, I mean, obviously uh, wine or, or juice, mm-hmm. right, if they, if they want to do that. Um, what can they use? Because I've heard that question asked, well, can you use a cracker? Or can you use, you know, what, yeah. what, what are the sort of the, you know, the stay within? I think that for the believer... Um, if nothing else, take what you have in the house. But if you have time to prepare in advance, go and get some bread. Go and get some wine or some juice, uh, preferably red uh, mm-hmm. juice. Because it's, it's not just 
a promise that you hear in your ear. You want to taste, touch, smell, and, and experience this. Mm -hmm. And so you want it to be as close to what Jesus actually said because the word makes it true. Now, what kind of bread did Jesus use? Uh, probably flatbread, probably like a pita. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, would, would crackers work? Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever is at hand in order to be a part of this, you're welcome to use. I, my suggestion is go out, get some bread, or bake some bread with your family. That would be a great thing to do. You know, have some, have some family fun time. I'm sure everyone's getting a little... Well, people are baking enough in quarantine right now. Yeah, they can have yeah. one more thing to the list. <laughs> They're getting a little wiggly yeah. at this point. But, but give the kids something to do mm -hmm. to be connected and... And to be a part of it and make the bread or go, go buy a loaf of bread or whatever it may be. Um, and, and I would say get some wine or get some grape juice and, and come, and, come and receive the promise. Okay. Come and receive by sitting on your couch and watch the Holy Spirit come right to you. <laughs> right. Um, another, another thing that I heard that was a concern was... Um, what about the leftovers? Mm -hmm. What about the, the leftover bread? Or if you use a cracker, what about the leftover crackers? What can you do with that to, um, you know? Yeah. So, so the church has dealt with this in, in multiple ways. And the bottom line is, is the elements are being used in a sacred way. So with the leftovers, even though they are no longer Christ once the event of communion is, is done, it's still treating them in a reverent fashion. So some churches used to do it like um, there was a place called the sacristy in their church. Ours is behind, in, in our sanctuary, our sacristy is behind the east wall. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, the east wall is always the wall behind the altar. No matter what direction it, it's in, it's always called the east wall. And behind that is our, is our sacristy, and that's where we store the elements that are used in worship. Um, and so in some sacristies, they would have a special sink that had a drain that didn't go down into the sewer system and went directly into the ground because oh. it was thought to pour the remaining wine out or consume all of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's another way to go about it. You got to drink all the wine. Uh, you got to eat all the bread. Um, some people will take bread and um, really, we should be talking to some of our altar guild experts who know how this all works, but you can spread the bread out uh, for animals to come and eat. Um, or you can just respectfully store the bread for the next time. Okay. And, you know, God doesn't take magical things that are so sacred that they're not meant for everyday use. That's the brilliance of the sacraments. Everyone has access to a little bit of water mm -hmm. for baptism. Everyone can get access, hopefully, to at least a crumb of bread and a couple of drops of drink. Okay. These are everyday things where God shows up and the ordinary becomes extraordinary in the event. Once the event is done, put those things to good use for daily life. Okay. I was just going to ask, so if somebody, if somebody uh, uh, uses juice and then their grandchildren, when this is all over, you know, if it was to end in a couple of days, their grandchildren came over, hey, grandma's got some juice, I'm going to, that would be fine. That would be fine. They, they would not be taking that to their damnation. Okay. Um, Paul warns about taking the sacrament to your judgment rather than to your um, 
edification when you take it unworthily. Well, what, how do you take the sacrament unworthily? It's to not believe the promise that is in, with, and under the bread and the wine when you eat it. See, when you eat the bread, the, the gospel works this way. Um, you can come, when we're able to be in church together, or even when we're not having communion, you can hear the preacher preach mm-hmm. and say, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. And you might be sitting on your couch saying, in your jammies, saying, you know, that sounds all nice, but I don't think that's for me. Mm-hmm. I've done some pretty bad stuff, right? Because the devil will throw your sins in your face when Jesus shows up. And the devil will say, you're a sinner. You don't think he's talking about you, do you? But with the sacrament, there's no denying that the promise is for you because the bread goes in your mouth. It didn't just whisk by your ear and not stick. It goes in your mouth. The wine goes down your throat. There is no denying the fact that Jesus has shown up for you right where you are in such a way that you can be assured beyond a shadow of a doubt that you, the sinner, are forgiven on account of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what the sacrament does. It's for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the other piece to say that for families or even individuals, when you receive the sacrament, when the pastor has said the words of institution and it's time to receive, it's designating you know, uh, that you're going to each commune each other for you, for you, for you, or you take it to yourself and you say, the body of Christ given for you and you eat the bread. And then you take the cup and you take a drink and you say the blood of Christ shed for you. And then you take your drink. Um, and the same if you do that with other people. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ. Right? Yeah. It's the proclamation that makes it true. And um, I add one thing, but this is more my own personal piety, is I remind myself of my baptism every time I take communion. Because again, baptism is the first and final promise God has concerning you. It says, you're a keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, no one will snatch you out of my hand. And so between that first and final promise, God gives us the things to sustain us in this life, which is the forgiveness of sins in his body and in his blood, and to be a part of that community. Um, so whenever I take communion, I will also make the sign of the cross. And it's not a, it's not a superstitious thing. I'm saying I am baptized in Jesus Christ. So it's another physical connection that's not just what I think or what I feel, but it's actually happening to me. And that's the power of the sacrament. It's the Word of God coming to you physically in such a way that you can't deny it. Or it it blows up all of the doubts that the devil throws at you. Okay. So for people who are going to take communion, it would be best to obviously prepare, do a little preparation, get your your juice, your wine, or whatever. They're they're watching the they're watching the 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 um, watching the service. Thank you, watching the service. Um, and then when it when the time comes for communion, they you said they can commune each other. They yes. they don't they don't need to get so like as Paul would say wrapped up around the axle about how it actually happens. The distribution and when you think about this, this is right in line with the the Lord's Supper because this is being administered by the pastor, and so the servers, the distributors, are everybody that is um, part of the church, a a a 
you know, a confirmed communing member, again, it's about the belief in it. If you, if you don't believe that your sins are going to be forgiven and eating the bread and the wine, don't eat the bread and drink the wine because you're denying Christ. You're saying he's full of it. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it unworthy. Okay. Does that, and that was kind of the tail end of what we were just talking about before. It's faith that makes it so. Um, it's faith that receives the promise. Um, and so, yeah, it, everyone who is in the event of the Lord's Supper in these circumstances is commissioned to distribute. There's a, there's a lot there. there yeah. You know, there, there's a lot, a lot to digest. Um, but I'm glad that we, that we talked about it um, because I think that, you know, there, there was some concern about whether this was okay to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, that you explained it as well as you did um, and in as, de- as depth as you, you know, as deep as you did um, so that people can understand. Nothing is being done lightly. Right. Uh, there has been great thought and um, study put into not just by um, the pastors we have here, but by pastors across the country who come to different conclusions as to what can be done. I think, I think the biggest concern, though, is really that uh, we connect with people during this time of social distancing. And, and different churches are using different strategies in what that means. Um, for myself, for the pastors here, uh, for many pastors across our country and our world, Um, if you understand that what the internet is is not a virtual universe I mean there are things like virtual reality on the internet there's a bunch of stuff that's horrible on the internet there's a lot of good things too and it's a tool that allows us to be connected when we can't be physically in the same location we can still assemble in real time and be church together that it's like a much larger expanded microphone. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Right. It's a microphone that the entire world can hear the proclamation, right. can hear the gospel, and can be engaged in it, connected. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, DJ. Um, we're creeping up on an hour. Do you have things that you need to, need to get get to get at get 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 after or do you do you have time don't you know pastors only work on sundays i got nothing to do today since you brought it up since you you you, you brought it up and and we have all these questions we have a backlog of questions so pastor dj yes sir the question reads wait i gotta find the question uh, since pastors only work on Sundays, sure. Of course, you go above and beyond. You 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 work Wednesdays as well. That's, that's, yeah, put in an extra extra yeah. hour. So since since pastors only work on Sundays, what do you do with the other six days of the week? Uh, work. <laughs> in <laughs> fact, in fact, the biggest thing is is actually not working seven. And uh, it's a struggle that many pastors have because um, we are given. The responsibility, but also the privilege to uh, hand over the goods, teach the things of God, and walk with people in their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is a, a a huge blessing, but also a huge responsibility. Because uh, you might be surprised, but everyone's hurting, yeah, and everyone's broken, right? 
Um, and so my, my week is a lot of preparation about um, how to share the good news of Jesus Christ with uh, the people that I'm called to serve, but the people that we are called to equip are the people we're called to serve the church so that they're equipped to share the gospel with their neighbors and to, to love their neighbors. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, a process of educating, studying, uh, training, equipping, and sending. And it's, it's nonstop and it's continuous. Um, you know, you and I talked about what, what it takes, the, the amount of time that goes into, you know, prepare a message. Yep. Um, well, I mean, for a sermon on Sunday, it's about an hour per minute. Yeah, you told me that before, and I thought, wow, that's crazy, because your, your sermons are generally between, what, 20 and 25 minutes? Yeah. 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 So uh, if you think about it in a 40-hour work week, that's half or a little more of your week. Well, and imagine if, if there's um, less preparation than that, that actually extends the length of the sermon. Uh, <laughs> It's an hour a minute. If it was only, if I only had ten minutes to work on it, then it becomes like, uh, you know, uh, ten minutes of preparation is is ten minutes of sermon. Mm-hmm. So, it, or the numbers are right. It would be it would be longer because it's it's uh, without that preparation time, you can't condense it into something that's packed in such a way that makes sense and is and is connecting with people. You're looking for a, for a direction. Right. Focal point. Yeah, and and honestly, the the preparation for a message, if I was to preach on a Sunday, um, and here we have the blessing of having multiple preachers um, in the churches I've served before this for about 10 years, I was the only preacher and usually was preaching two unique sermons every week. So preaching um, a sermon on Sunday and then preaching on a sermon series on Wednesday. And so... um, the, the preparation for the sermon begins the moment the last sermon is finished. Yeah. And it begins with the sermon, it begins with prayer, it begins with study, getting into the original languages, uh, uh, reading the wisdom of people who've come before, looking at the context of what's happening in our community. Um, one of the neat things here is, is the use of, of technology in the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, been, that's been actually a lot of fun. Uh, having people like Sarah and and Mark and and you that understand those things, to be able to bring um, the visual, and and teaching, visual aids, into into the the messages has been, has been fun. Yeah. So, but all that takes time, and then alongside that, you also have, um, pastoral care, with folks who are who are hurting. Right. And you have. Um, uh, relationship making and team making in order to carry out specific ministry needs things like you know i mean the best example that we have is the the work and the preparation that goes into feed my starving children yeah uh that uh, amy's working on that all year long and all of us get to uh have a part in helping her with that because it's such a big piece she's she's the the head piece but we all have our parts yeah um so yeah it yeah. It fills up. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and the the question was in was in jest because I, we've yeah. we've you know we see what you do and and how often you know how much you're here and 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 that kind of thing. Plus, then you get knuckleheads coming to you saying, "Hey, let's do a podcast." You yeah, got nothing right. else going on. So I guess the real question would be: Is we only see Ryan on Wednesdays and Sundays? So what do you do with your other five? That's right. Yeah. 
So, Say what I yeah, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, let, let me, let me get the audio back from what DJ just said. You don't edit this. <laughs> Actually, when I, when I started, um, I said to Mark, it was, he had an interesting answer. Um, when we were talking, you know, I was making the, the decision to, to come or whatever. And, and I said, well, am I going to be here all the time? Because it seems to me like you're here all the time. And he said, well, I'm, I'm here when you're here, but I'm not here all the time. But, you know, there's a lot of weird hours mm. and, and like you said, relationship building and, you know, reaching out to people and caring for people and letting them know that we're here and, you know. Well, and it's, it's a 24-7 job, if you will, mm -hmm. because um, the Holy Spirit's the one driving the ship here. Right. And we're on Holy Spirit time. Uh, we're not on a nine to five time. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it changes week by week. It's, it's exciting in that. Uh, it, stability, if you're looking for something very stable and very repetitive, uh, you're not going to find that in the church. I mean, we all have our individual roles, but things change. The world changes. Yeah. Um, needs change, but God's the same. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So, excellent. Um, well, so I, the only other thing that I really wanted to talk about was where everybody can catch the podcast at. Yes. So, atonement.live. Well, I did have one other thing, too, that I'll say after this. So. Oh, okay. Atonement.live, yep. atonement.org, uh, y y the YouTubes. Yep, Vimeo. Vimeo. And right now, I like to say you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, except for right now, Spotify and Apple Music are are being a little bit of a, I don't even know, a fork in the road. We're working on those, but they're yeah. tough. So anywhere you can get a podcast? For the most part. So you just, you just search Atonement. Atonement Fargo. Atonement Fargo or that podcast. Is, is that podcast? At, Seems to be working so far. Yeah. So Until okay. something better comes along. Right. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. Yeah. Until okay. you think of something better. <laughs> That sounds good. What were, what were you going to add? Well, I was going to say for those of us who are going to be worshiping with us, uh, Monday, Thursday, and also Easter Sunday, we're going to be having uh, communion in your homes. Um, invite others. Tell others about it. Tell, tell folks about um, coming and worshiping with us, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. But let your friends know to prepare in advance for uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and Christ is going to be coming right into your homes through preaching and through through the sacrament. So uh, let everyone know about it, and Easter's coming. Fantastic. Awesome. Sweet. Great. Well, Pastor DJ, thank you. Sarah, thank you. Zach keeps walking by making weird faces. So, Did we lock the door on him? Uh, I think it's locked already. Yeah, we, we were prepared. So, Okay, well, um, the, the, the uh, next week's podcast will uh, be coming. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but again, if anybody has any questions or suggestions for uh, uh, topic ideas or comments, anything, uh, you can go to atonement.live slash podcast and submit that there. So until next time, um, Sarah, you want to pray us out? Sure. Okay. Right. Lord, today I want to thank you for this time to gather in a new way to gather and to hear your word and to hear your message through 
what I like to say is we're going to be able to reach way more people than we'll ever reach that we can fit in a building. So thank you for that opportunity and for your guidance over all of this. Um, I pray that whoever is hearing this, they know your good word and they know that no matter what, you're here for them and you're guiding them and you have a hand in their life. Amen. 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 Thank you. Go eat peeps. All right.